Hello, welcome to season three of the Pretty Deadly podcast. I'm Susie Colick, the creator of Pretty Deadly Self-Defense, a self-empowerment program through self-defense. I'm a storyteller, a violent crime survivor, and a martial artist. I've used these experiences to develop a program that's tailored for the way women actually learn, the things we actually face, and that's actually fun. Well, I think it's fun. Welcome to episode 53 of the Pretty Deadly Podcast. This week, I'm chatting with Ananya Rao Middleton. Ananya is based in London. She's been in martial arts for a long time, currently studying Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And she's also an illustrator with a career that is skyrocketing. She just published a book for Disability History Month for the UK Parliament. And you can find her on Instagram Design Team's own account this week, at Design. I was connected to Ananya through my friend Edward. You might know him from episode 50. A couple of years ago, Ananya was looking for female black belts to interview for her podcast, I Hit Hard. She called me a few days before we were going to record, just as a get-to-know-you chat, and we hit it off so well we talked for probably over an hour and had to force ourselves to stop or there'd be nothing left for the recording. Since that first introduction, we've met in London for a superhero lunch with fellow heroines Eve Parmiter and Shuba Rao, who also happens to be Ananya's mom. We've had extensive chats about women's experiences in martial arts. I visited with her mom and dad, Mark Middleton, while they were in Berlin, and Mark ended up advising on the Pretty Deadly app. And Ananya became our first illustrator for Pretty Deadly's Warrior Women Wednesday series, our weekly social media feature that introduces real-life warrior women from all points in history and from all over the world. Martial arts connects you to everything. Most importantly, Ananya is herself a warrior for racial justice, gender equality and accessibility, and a tireless advocate for chronic illness awareness. My first brush with martial arts actually began from when I was very young. My dad was a complete martial arts nut growing up, so I was introduced to people like Bruce Lee uh, very early on in life and was very quickly enrolled in Kung Fu classes from around the age of maybe six or seven. Uh, but I can't really remember much of that. Uh, took quite a big break, uh, revisited with a bit of Japanese jiu-jitsu when I was 16. Um, didn't really like it because at the time I was based on the Isle of Wight. Um, so it was mostly just old men and plus me. So it wasn't a great environment. Um, but since I've kind of been able to, to have more of a, more of more control over my martial arts journey, um, I've chosen to settle on Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, unfortunately, I haven't been able to do much of that during COVID, uh, but it's definitely something that I'm super passionate about. I love kind of the grappling element and also how much problem solving is involved. Um, previous to that, though, I, I also did a bit of street fighting, uh, which was super fun. And I definitely feel more confident, uh, you know, just in, in my own body and kind of going around at night um, in, in knowing that I think I can hold my own somewhat. So for our listeners, what she means by street fighting isn't that she was part of a girl gang running around <laughs> and defending territory. <laughs> you wish. But you were you were actually studying a form of street fighting. Right? Yes. Fighting for yes. the street. Right. In a, in a, That's correct. In, right. Sort of like in a controlled environment 
um, yeah. with an itinerary and classes and techniques and yeah that's correct so yeah as as you uh, just said Susie it was far more formalized than perhaps my initial comment made out um uh, no there was a syllabus um it was actually really interesting because it was developed by um my my sensei Kaylee Barker um who is a black belt in a lot of different martial arts so it kind of brought in elements from Shirenji Kempo uh, Wing Chun, Muay Thai, uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, wrestling, loads of different stuff together. And he basically just wanted to find a way to amalgamate that all to make it more meaningful to using it in a street context, just with the understanding that, you know, if you approach a street fight, just using boxing technique that might not get you too far. Mm -hmm. Um, that is quite a unique kind of situation to be in. Mm -hmm. What, so how did you find Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? I mean, what, what were the, did you just walk into a school one day or was it because you were introduced to it through the street fighting or how did it happen? Sure, yeah. So I was, I was introduced to it through street fighting. So uh, a part of the syllabus was grappling on the ground because, you know, unfortunately in a street fight situation, sometimes you do get knocked to the ground and you should know what to do in that context. Uh, obviously the way that it was talked to us at the time was uh, catered to falling on concrete as opposed to the kind of soft mats that you'd be dealing with um, in actual Brazilian jiu-jitsu classes, but it definitely perked my interest. Um, and around the same time, actually, my boyfriend uh, started at a larger martial arts gym in central London and he was doing Muay Thai there because he'd been, he, he's done Muay Thai for more than six years uh, and then he saw a Brazilian jiu-jitsu class and decided to join in and got completely addicted to it uh, so on the back of his recommendation well he was like fanatically being like you have to try you have to try you have to try so uh, I, I tried it out and a hundred percent just fell in love with it on the back of that. So what is it about it that made you fall in love with it? I I think I'm a pretty tactile person just in general. Um, you know, I really like, I, I value the element of touch just in my relationships when I talk to people, when I'm near people. So I've, I've always felt kind of an affinity for martial arts that are very uh, close contact in like in terms of wrestling. And like, I, I love kind of the ability to push pull with someone. Mm -hmm. So, I was immediately attracted to that in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, but then also it was the fact that it just felt like something that you would never be able to master just because it's, it, I feel that Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is such a comprehensive system and there are so many varieties of techniques and things that you have to learn in order to be good at it. It almost felt like such an exciting challenge to just feel so overwhelmed in my first class. So yeah, I think the breadth of it was something that intrigued me and, and also the puzzle solving element. Um, just the idea that it's not, I mean, as we know as martial arts practitioners that it strength doesn't kind of negate technique always. Mm -hmm. um, but particularly within a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu context, I think that technique becomes really, really fundamental to it as a sport and a martial art. It's interesting that you say that you think that what brought you to what one of the things that appealed about it right, appealed to you uh, English not working out so well <laughs> one of the things that you found appealing um, is that it's so tactile and because you're a tactile person and I was just having a conversation with someone the other day talking about how I don't like to touch people 
that wasn't really the whole conversation. It was about something else. But when I say this to people, um, they often get very surprised, especially because I am a martial artist and you, you kind of do have to touch people. Yeah. What I meant by that was I am not a tactile person. I don't have a problem touching yeah. people in martial arts. Um, but ninjutsu has a slightly different approach. You know, we're, we're very one and done, you know, or crush out is another way to put it. It's, I don't want to be wrestling with you. I don't want to be grappling with you. I want to get out of this situation and put an end to it as quickly and as efficiently as possible. Mm-hmm. So for someone who's not a tactile person, that's kind of ideal. Whereas to mm-hmm. me, the idea of like grappling on grappling with someone for any length of time just irritates me. <laughs> I, mean, I, I and, and I'm tactile in the sense of, you know, with people that I'm intimate with, of course, people I love yeah. and friends, but strangers yeah. or even other martial artists, if you're at a seminar or whatever, I, I just don't want to screw around that long because yeah. I don't like yeah. to touch people. <laughs> right. No, I, I get that. I 100% yeah. get that. I mean, I think in, in my context, I, I kind of feel in a similar way to you. I think I'm co- I'm very tactile around people that I'm affectionate towards. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I'm definitely one of those people where I get really fidgety and annoyed when the train's really crowded and someone brushes shoulders with me and I'm like, get off, you're a stranger, I don't know you. Um, but for whatever reason, in a martial arts context, it makes me maybe a little bit more competitive, I think, because I can feel somebody's power and it kind of makes me want to assert some sort of dominance or power as well. So it's kind of that push-pull element of, of wrestling and Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And I guess like just the tactileness involved in that as well. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I, it's just, it's a, it, it's just always interesting to hear these different takes, you know, because my art yeah. is, there's similarities, of course. Um but there's also differences in the things that appeal to one person as opposed to what appeals to another. And I think sometimes what draws someone to a certain martial art as opposed to something else, mm-hmm. you know, it's, yeah. it's uh, you know, kind of going back to what I was saying before, like I'm not a tactile person. I, and I, I very much like the idea in ninjutsu of, you know, one and done and I'm done, yeah. you know, I don't, yeah that's it there's I don't like yeah. arguing yeah <laughs> so that's fair enough away. yeah so that's it's, it's just a, they're just interesting takes it's very fascinating you yeah. were have commented um quite a lot on social media and stuff about some of the challenges that you faced as well in Brazilian mm-hmm. jiu-jitsu not only um just in the techniques, I think, as everyone faces when they're learning an art. But Mm -hmm. some of the challenges you faced being a woman, being uh, the person that you are, maybe some of the challenges that you faced uh, just physically. I know that you see yourself as someone who's taller than average. Yeah. I mean, well, you're taller than me, but... (laughs) <laughs> and I think I'm, I, think I mean, but compared to most average. women. Yeah. 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 You're pretty tall, I guess. Yeah. Maybe in the UK, maybe the, maybe the average in Germany is a little bit higher. I think it might be. I think in the UK, the average is a little bit lower than other parts mm-hmm. of Europe. Right. I, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Don't know. I'm just, I'm very average height for an American woman. <laughs> and 
And, but I also really don't like my height. I wish I was taller. So to me, everybody seems taller. What? (laughs) So you're kind of just like, there's no measure beyond you really. It's just you, you lot are taller. So (laughs) you lot are taller and all I can do is just look at you and envy. Well, at least you don't bash your head on stuff. That's that's oh. one thing is you better. Oh, I manage. I manage. Don't okay. Worry. <laughs> you get the low hanging fruit. <laughs> oh. oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. yeah. Um, but so tell me about that. In the so you've been you've been in Brazilian jiu-jitsu for how many years now? Um, I'm gonna say, oh, I think it was since 2017, August. Okay, that was pretty specific um surprisingly yes 2017 August I mean I've taken a lot of time out due to various injuries but uh yeah that's when I first started it officially okay and so how do you feel um about where you are in that journey right now do you feel like you've progressed quite a bit do you feel like um I mean we always all feel like we have a lot more to learn but do you do you feel good about where you are do you feel that you've had challenges that if you hadn't had that, that maybe have come from outside that if you hadn't had, you would be farther. Do you, tell me. Yeah, sure. Um, Yeah, I mean, for sure. Sorry, there are fireworks. I don't know if you can pick up on that sound, um, but I've only got to apologize that, yeah, very frustrating. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think that I've had a unique situation in the sense that I've, I've had a lot of back-to-back kind of health issues over the past couple of years that have taken a lot of time, a lot of my time away from martial arts. Um, And I think in a sport like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu where it's kind of recognized that it's really hard to get to the next belt, it's probably the hardest martial art to progress through in terms of getting new belts. Um, It sometimes takes like, you know, three, four years to get a, a belt it kind of feels like the stakes are really high when you have to take time out from it because it's just, it, it, it kind of makes such a big dent on your journey. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, in 2000, at the end of 2018, I obviously had, I had a, a, an accident which resulted in a brain injury. Um, and then pretty much off the back of that, I got diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, but before that, even at the beginning of 2018, I had, um, bursitis in my in my left knee um which funnily enough was as a result of uh the street fighting stuff that I was doing because we would practice on a hard uh wooden flooring to make it as kind of lifelike as possible but it had a really bad effect on one of my knees so that I I I had to take around four months out for that um and then with my brain injury and the MS stuff uh god it was it it was almost a year I think out So I'd actually taken really, really big breaks in my journey. And I think definitely there's a lot of frustration around the, you know, returning from a head injury. Um, Also because I had to develop a new kind of sense of awareness around protecting my head with people, because obviously concussions are not unheard of in any kind of sport or martial art. And so my practice became very different um from what it was previously I felt like I had to hold back and it didn't feel as playful and spontaneous as it did because I had to be very conscious about the way that I interacted with people how did that feel for you emotionally 
I, I know for me, um, when I started martial arts, it was it was out of a sense of necessity. Um, and the longer I stayed and the more I trained, the more playful I became and that, you know, it really enjoying that lightness. So it was kind of, I wasn't worried after I, I felt comfortable, I wasn't so worried about my safety, although I probably should have been, but <laughs> as we all should be when we're training martial arts. Um, but having had that sense of play and lightness and then suddenly having to always be aware of any body part, how did that, how did that feel for you just as a human? It was really, it was really hard. Um, I definitely cried a lot and I also felt very angry, I think, because I felt like something had been taken away from me that I didn't know how to get back. And it was also frustrating to see people who I had kind of moved through Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu with, even like my boyfriend, for example, um get his blue belt and my other friends get their blue belts and I was kind of stuck in this limbo um and yeah it made me feel really angry and and pretty resentful I think of what had happened to me because it felt so out of my control and then you know as a result here's the thing that I care about so much kind of just being completely changed um as a result of it so yeah there was definitely like a lot of negative emotions I think especially going back and and also a lot of fear and anxiety just because um you know when I did start to kind of return my slow return to um martial arts it was I was still experiencing some concussions and uh, symptoms um and and also just things would trigger symptoms that I, I that you know I, I'd, I'd be kind of learning on the spot about what things uh within a Brazilian jiu-jitsu context might trigger it so for example forward and backward rolls turned out to be a really big trigger for my dizziness um but actually you know in, in a kind of positive light um it turns out that in order to solve the kind of dizziness that I had which is a vestibular dizziness is that you have to do the thing that makes you dizzy <laughs> so I kind of had to force myself to go through the uh, motions of, of doing that and BJJ was a, a good excuse to give that a shot basically <laughs> While you were recovering, you took a lot of a lot of initiative in your own care and recovery that mm -hmm. you blogged about a lot, and um, and along the way, you discovered the relief that you felt from art. Mm -hmm. Can you? And then that's actually grown into something else. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Um... So, I mean, at the time when I was housebound, I was unable to work and I couldn't look at screens. So I couldn't look at my phone. I couldn't look at the TV. So I was kind of just listening to podcasts. And then, you know, after a few months of listening to just podcasts, I got a bit frustrated and annoyed and wanted to kind of do something else. So I just thought, you know, let's, um, why don't I just try painting? Um, because I've always been into art and um, people have told me that I've, I'm good at it. So I I just thought why not um and then it kind of become became its own thing and I was just spending all of my time uh painting watercolor pieces and I just enjoyed it so much um and eventually that kind of grew less into me using it as a tool for recovery and, and a way to pass my time and more as actually a viable 
career uh, option. Mm -hmm. So, you know, fast forward to now, and I've got a really good kind of freelance career going um, illustration wise. I've just finished working with the UK Parliament on a project for Disabled History Month. Um, I've worked with other kind of brands like the BBC, um, a couple of really cool like ethical clothing companies that I like. Um, I'll be involved with Instagram shortly as well, um, which is really cool. So it's it's kind of really kicking off. And, and I think this is the thing is that even though a minute ago I was kind of talking about how many negative emotions I carried around returning to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I, I would never kind of undo the trajectory that my life has taken as a result of that accident um, and the brain injury because I, I'm in such a good place at the moment and I feel like I've experienced so much post-traumatic growth that's um, basically resulted in me having a complete career switch. It's made me a different person for the better, I think. Um, I'm far more conscious about what my body needs um, as a result of all of the research I've done um, about my conditions. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't really have any regrets and, and definitely I've shed a lot of those negative emotions from the initial kind of coming back into the world after having been so ill. Um, yeah, so it, it feels good right now, I think. You also did a series of warrior woman illustrations for Pretty Deadly, mm -hmm. let's not forget. And what was that like for you? Thank you for doing those, we love them. Oh yeah, no, of course. Um, I, I really enjoyed those and it, and what I really loved was that it, it became kind of such a routine that I would spend my Monday night kind of doing a little bit of reading around the warrior woman that I'd be illustrating, obviously get very excited about who she was, tell my boyfriend all about who she was and was like, she's so cool, I want to be like her and then illustrate it <laughs> for you. Um, so yeah, it was the, the process became like a really nice uh, opening ritual to my week. Oh, that's nice. That's a nice way to yeah. think about it. Um, yeah. Which brings me to the topic of self-defense, since this is a self-defense podcast. Um, Indeed. We met each other because you were actually interviewing me for your mm -hmm. former podcast um, yes. about self-defense. And we had a lot of really interesting conversations during that interview. Mm -hmm. And we've had the good luck, I think, to stay in touch since. And then somehow I've managed yeah. to meet your whole family in the process. You <laughs> yes, you have, apart from my sister, but yes, Perfect absolutely. Yeah, I love. Yeah, now I know everybody, um, apart from yeah. your sister, who I hear is, is a, also an equally wonderful and beautiful soul. Oh. So, but what is your, your, your relationship to self-defense versus martial arts? And, and mm -hmm. where do you feel they overlap and where do you feel they're separate and where are you in all of that? Yeah, that's a really uh, good question actually because I feel like I've always had a bit of a bittersweet relationship with like the word self-defense. Um, for me, self-defense is a personal thing. It, like it's, it's, it's my way of building my confidence and understanding how I can carry myself in the world. But I feel like it's so readily ascribed to women who are in martial arts that, oh, you must be doing this because obviously you need to defend yourself. Obviously you're interested in self-defense. And I think that that robs us as women of the ability to interact with fighting, martial arts, um, you know, physical kind of, I don't know, 
physically kind of taxing or related kind of sports um, in our own way and that it's a spectrum you know someone can be interested in it just because they like violence <laughs> versus right, but, you know they're, they're like, right you make a really good point I mean it totally it negates the fact that women can actually just enjoy using yeah, their bodies uh, in this way exactly yeah so I, I don't like it being ascribed to me like oh you know you're oh you do Brazilian jiu-jitsu right you because you're a woman you must be doing it because you're worried about getting hurt at night it's like sure like you know obviously we live in a patriarchal society where men suck so I do have to worry about those things but at the same time I'm the the primary reason I do Brazilian jiu-jitsu is because I'm a really competitive person um I, I like I like to I, I don't know there's there's something exciting and there's an adrenaline rush to engaging in a fight with someone that I like I can't deny that I'm attracted to that um and that's that's totally independent um from the self-defense aspect and to me also engaging in like a combat sport is not necessarily an effective way for me to practice self-defense mm -hmm. so I feel like I got my need for self-defense and, and my kind of training for that from um the street fighting classes that I'd previously taken do you feel that um Training a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu though helps to, I don't know, what's the word, like bolster your self-defense training or is it simply to help you feel even more confident? Um, I, I actually just see it as pretty separate and I, and I only say that because I think that for me personally, because I spent like quite a few years doing the street fighting um, curriculum that I was practicing in London, um, that Made, that was like heavy duty stuff you know we'd be throwing like real punches it would be really intense uh, we'd be using weapons um grappling on the floor and I feel like because I know almost how it feels to be very close to the reality of a street fight I know that Brazilian jiu-jitsu is very far away from that kind of training to me my engagement in Brazilian jiu-jitsu is as a sport um I I can if I thought about it I could be like yeah sure I, I see how like some of the skills are transferable um and I totally understand that for a lot of people who go into any martial arts so Brazilian jiu-jitsu included that they could be like yeah it's made me feel really confident um and so I carry that confidence into a street fighting situation um but I think just because I'd already done that kind of work previously that I didn't get it specifically from Brazilian jiu-jitsu I think I meet more women in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu than in any other martial art. I mean, previously when I was training, um, it was Aikido was like the yeah. popular martial art for women. Um, yeah. But these days it seems to be Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Is that your experience? Were there a lot of other women in your school when you started training and are there now? And do you feel that there's like a, a much larger community of women involved in this art? Yeah, I mean, massively. I think that just in general, um, ju Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu has become super popular, not just with women, but with with everyone, literally just because there are so many kind of, um, I think, celebrities who've gotten involved in it, like Demi Lovato and a couple of other kind of, I, I, God, I'm so bad at naming celebrities, just other, other celebrities. Um, so it's attracted <laughs> a lot of different people. I'm like, damn it. Um, other celebrities, yeah. I like that. Now you know. There's Demi, for you, there's Demi Lovato and other celebrities. In the and world. others, As, do you know what it is? It's because the others, are 
The others are all men, so I don't really, I don't care to know their names. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, um, I think that, that that's helped for sure. But I also think that there's been a massive, massive push in terms of the PR of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu um, to make it appeal to women by talking about it in terms of self-defense. So a lot of, um, especially within Gracie Jiu-Jitsu Academy, so just, I guess, for your listeners who don't know who the Gracies are is that they're kind of like the founding family of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. They kind of um, took Japanese Jiu-Jitsu, which is the the kind of origin martial art and adapted it and created it as like a, a more of a floor grappling based martial art. Um, and those gyms are kind of still going pretty strong affiliated with like the Gracie family. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, they, they run a, like a lot of self-defense classes. They, they kind of recruit women into the gyms on the basis of being like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is a great self-defense um, thing and it will make you feel really confident. And so, yeah, a lot of women definitely signed up on that basis. But then also, I think recently, there's been a really cool kind of influx as well of, of, of women getting into like the competitive side of it. Um, I think like, especially in America, there's so many uh, women uh, jiu-jitsu competitors who are like black and brown belts and doing really cool things on the competition circuit and that's also really picking up in the UK too so I think like seeing um, more women as black and brown belts competing and being on tv being on uh, like being streamed online and stuff encourages a lot more women to join and be like oh I can do that that's so cool Um, yeah definitely like multiple avenues for people for women joining but yeah I agree with you but there's been some there's been some controversy recently, hasn't there been in the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu community with w- regarding women and women's safety? I mean, there's always controversy in the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu community, to be honest, regarding women and women's safety because it's a bit of a toxic hellhole in a lot of ways, that community-wise for for women and minorities, as as is like a lot of unfortunately a lot of kind of uh, I would say combat sport communities are like that. Um, yeah, and it's I, a real shame. To be honest, I would honestly say across the board, every martial art. I don't think that it's um, strictly only more the more combat um, focused mm. martial arts. I think it's really completely yeah. across the board. I, I guess wherever men are, they kind of bring the problems with them their sexism well I mean like wherever people are there are bound to be kind of microcosms of what society is like right I had a really interesting conversation with someone today she was asking me about um about women in self-defense and women in martial arts she was Mm. in New York we're in a video call and she said you know I've noticed that um there's more and more more women focused self-defense programs yeah. and women run self-defense programs. And she was asking me, is that, um, is that how it was when I first started in martial arts? And I was telling her, no, when I started in martial arts, it was typical, you know, very, very male dominated. And certainly yeah. as growing up as a girl um, and as a teenager, the, the, when, like the one or two self-defense classes we had were not taught by women, you know, they were taught by yeah. some local martial arts guy, you know, who came in usually with the police, you know, it's like, all right, little ladies, you know, you, you Uh, you know, so, you know, seventies and eighties. So it's a, but I was telling her, I think you're seeing more of it now because 
there are more women who have now reached a certain level of practice in their martial arts where they feel that they're ready to teach others. But traditionally, it's been really hard for before this, it's been a lot harder for women to be in martial arts because the environments were so toxic. And yeah, I know for me, you know, as I've already said a few minutes ago, when I started martial arts, it was with a sense of necessity. Um, yeah. And I have a feeling that most of the women sort of in, in my generation of practitioners also started out with some sense of necessity. And maybe a few, I mean, that necessity could be that they've experienced violence or they're worried about violence, but it could also be yeah. a sense of necessity in the in the context of, this is what I'm connecting to, to feel confident. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it's not, absolutely. it's not the, you know, whatever the, the socialized feminine norms are that exist to make me feel confident. It's this, you yeah. know, and that this is yeah. the only choice that I have. So I'm willing to put up with the toxic environment and I'm willing to put up with all the other yeah. shit and the sexism exactly. and blah, 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 because this is answering something in me really loud yeah. and clear. Yeah. So, you know, do you think that that's changing now in your experience? Because, you know, again, right now in my, in my practice, I've got, you know, mostly women in the women that I teach, but if I go to another ninjutsu school, it's still mostly going to be men. Yeah. I mean, I I definitely think it's evolved, but I don't know. I mean, from my experiences, I've seen and witnessed and, um, experienced a lot of sexism uh sexual harassment sexual assault um within my ugh, within my time in martial arts um not just in brazilian jiu-jitsu but i think there's a really big problem in brazilian jiu-jitsu um because of i, th- I think it's like a combination of a lot of things but it tends to be pretty culty um and because in most gyms uh the people who hold the power are men um that becomes an issue and it becomes an environment where a lot of um bad things can happen to women to girls um there's a lot there's a lot of open secrets um in brazilian jiu-jitsu and i guess just for context um obviously with covid we can't really practice although a lot of people are still going out and doing uh bjj in spite of covid but i'm good i'm not going to do that um (laughs) I've kind of taken a break from it um, and a necessary break because of COVID, but also it's made me kind of think a little bit about whether do I want to go back into BJJ when things go like back to normal? Do I want to focus on something that's kind of less combat sports and just, you know, more like uh, something that's going to keep me feeling strong and, and fit? Um, and a, a reason why I am almost tempted to kind of walk away a bit is because of all of the things that I know about the BJJ community things that um some of them are kind of open secrets about um you know popular male trainers being pedophiles having um you know preference for younger girls um having sexually assaulted people I've been um sexually assaulted before in BJJ too someone like grabbed my butt um and then also kind of creepily stroked my hand afterwards when we um kind of fist bumped creepy as fuck but um but I know so many women who've experienced that and it's this culture of of kind of 
lionizing these men mostly you know a lot of them being brazilian men but other guys too um it just creates this horrible toxic environment where things get swept under the carpet people know uh, about trainers behaviors in particular um and are, are just willingly ignoring it um it's the reason why i left my first bjj gym um was because i witnessed this kind of behavior and was just like i'm not I'm I'm not here to kind of see that and then kind of be okay with it by still being trained under these people. Um, so I left, but it's it's really endemic. And it's also an issue with who's ideal, idolized as well, because you kind of have these BJJ celebrities now who are kind of figureheads who've done really well on the competition circuit. They're a bit gobby. They have like this kind of fight talk like they do on the UFC. And so they've kind of reached celebrity status. And they tend to all be kind of Trump supporting, really sexist guys. Great. Um, because we need. Yeah, but those. they still they get paid, right? They get so much money. They get everyone's money and they get everyone's, you know, consent to kind of be the figureheads of BJJ. And I, I just think I, I'm just tired of it. I'm so yeah. tired of it. Yeah, it's a. It's it's funny what people are willing. I mean, we've seen it with Trump, haven't we? You know what people are willing to to let slide, you know, because celebrity is attached. And it's a yeah, it's a strange it's a strange upside down kind of morality, I think. Yeah. In my training, I never experienced anything um, overtly sexual or any kind of harassment. Occasionally, if I was with, it's like occasionally in our school, teenagers would reach a point where they could no longer train with the little kids. Mm -hmm. They had just shot up too much. They were too tall. They were too big. They needed to start training yeah. with adults. And occasionally oh. when we were doing something in close contact with basically a 15 year old boy, those boys would be usually with a woman, they'd be like, you know, oh my God, you know, and be a little yeah. awkward and weird. With a 15, but it, nothing was done, you know, there was nobody being a creep. Yeah. Very awkward 15-year-old yeah. boys. And every once in a while, you'd have to be like, don't, you know, you watch where that hand goes, kid, or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to send yeah. you across the room. So there was nothing <laughs> really horrible that I experienced, but I experienced sexism in the form of being punished if I was better at something. Mm -hmm. Um you know, being retaliated against with power yeah. as opposed to yeah. skill, because if my skill was better, but the most frustrating thing I ever experienced, and I've experienced it more than once is mansplaining in oh martial God. arts, but mansplaining yeah. in martial arts isn't necessarily somebody like saying, well, actually blah, 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 blah. And then talking for five minutes, it's mansplaining physically, which is, yeah, to me, totally bizarre because it's like, so you're going to do the martial art for me. That's, that's your goal <laughs> here. I mean, what is the logic? Well, I don't understand that at all. And yet yeah. that's hap that's probably happened more consistently to me than anything else. And yeah. I, I, it's, that's where, and I'm, I realize that I'm also very lucky. Um, because I've certainly heard a lot of incidences of women who have experienced outright, not only outright sexism, but outright sexual harassment and sexual assault and sexual violations. And, yeah. you know, I do understand that I am not in that, I have not had to deal with those challenges. 
Yeah. But and I'm find, glad that you haven't. <laughs> thank you. But I find that being a woman in martial arts comes with these, these other prices, you know, where people aren't yeah. really, and I feel that there's a relationship, you know, between this on the sort of ground level of somebody mansplaining mm -hmm. your, your technique to you. Um, yeah. A direct connection all the way to these martial arts celebrities, you know, who are, who are, practicing behaviors that are are highly questionable are open secrets as you mm -hmm. mentioned and and this yeah. what can be such a toxic environment and I wonder yeah. if it's going to change as more and more women yeah I wonder because I think that because we're seeing so many people come in my hope is that eventually what will happen is there'll be a turn of hands in terms of coaches and people in positions of power because I think that's the most important thing is that if we view um like different martial arts as being institutions which kind of brazilian jiu-jitsu kind of is because you have people who make a fuck ton of money out of it mm -hmm. um as well um is that there needs to be a change in hands in terms of who's setting the tone for the culture that's perpetuated um and i think that's that's easier to do when maybe you're like a little bit in in, in kind of like a smaller bubble and you're and you're disc and you're you have the ability to kind of enact change at like a local level. Like I felt like at the um, the street fighting classes that I do, you know, we all knew each other really well. It was just us. There was no kind of bigger academy or kind of bigger institution of doing this thing. It was kind of our little martial art. And, um, you know, even though there were a couple of guys in there who um, were annoying and inappropriate, um, I felt like we were able to kind of set the tone of the culture and I was able to bring anything directly to our sensei, um, regardless of his reaction. I guess what I'm trying to say is that it, it felt like there was more control, whereas I feel like the, the thing that worries me about BJJ is that it's it's so it's so big and the problem is so big if you talk to you know i'm part of like a huge grappling network on facebook and everyone is doing bjj it's all and it's all it's a women's only group and everybody has a story about being sexually harassed or sexually assaulted in it and i and i really do believe that that's an issue um with the way that it's been set up by these kind of very powerful men who have kind of created this culture um in in the gyms mm. where people can kind of just get away with stuff well i think if they're acting like like the the leaders of the group in mm -hmm. a way you know i and I, yeah i mean i think it's it's a pyramid isn't it you know where the, yeah. the most powerful at the uh, at the peak of the pyramid and that i think is always going to be a dangerous setup in those ways yeah massively you know because power only flows down it never flows up and it's so much it's so easy to abuse yeah in that way i guess i don't know i'm kind of just like throwing things out into the wind and seeing if one of those makes uh, sense. But, yeah no i agree i agree with that yeah. for sure yeah it's interesting do you think that there's another way to structure uh martial arts practice that is more where the that's maybe more democratic or that the power is mm -hmm. more horizontal rather than vertical. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's it's hard, isn't it? Because the there's inherent power in knowledge dissemination in martial arts, which is why it's structured the way it is, right? You have 
a set of knowledge holders who have gone through, you know, years and years of training, they're black belts for a reason. And so you're expected to respect and follow them so that you can then get and kind of so that they can pass on their knowledge to you. So I, I wonder, I wonder <laughs> how much, how much kind of democracy you can get when there's kind of like an underlying pyramid as a result of this knowledge holder to kind of mentee relationship. But I think, I, I honestly just do think that the main way is more of like a, a cultural shift um, and perhaps the idea of not kind of blind reverence of somebody. Um, and, 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 and I think through that holding people accountable for their behaviors. So I think that, you know, when people know that something's up and it's kind of been expressed that there's some sort of accountability, that person is fired or let go, or, you know, they're brought to the police so that, you know, you set an example that there's no bullshit. Whereas I think that the fact that everybody knows that there are so many open secrets leaves a lot of room for people to exploit the fact that nothing has been done in the past. And so, you know, can get away with so much. Right. You would think in martial arts that the best form of punishment would be punishment, physical, <laughs> you know, like, you know, if you're in a Kempo school, it's like, oh, you know, you grope that girl, come, I'm taking a finger, you know? Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could. <laughs> don't know how legal that would be now. I, I actually don't think you could, <laughs> but yeah, I was like, <laughs> but it would see. I mean, it would. It, I don't know. It would be interesting. It would maybe it would also like create a Lord of the Flies kind of situation. It really would. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it's. I think it's also for me though. That's a as a teacher, um, that raises some very interesting questions about you know the way that I approach knowledge and my training and what I share with my students is um, uh, how do I put it. I don't believe in withholding the knowledge because I'm not, I'm not commodifying the knowledge itself. Yeah. You no, know, the, the knowledge is not the, the knowledge is not where the power lies. So it's, it's, and I'm not actually interested in power and, and exerting power over my students. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the knowledge is also not commodified. It's not like somebody has got to pay me to learn a new technique what they're paying for is the opportunity to spend a dedicated period of time with me so that I can share my knowledge with them, mm -hmm. you know, in a space that has met ideally. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Some of, that, right. some of that knowledge involves falling down hard. Yeah. So, but, <laughs> but that's a, and I think it's that, it's that, I don't know, it's that change, you know, I mean, my, yeah. my definition of sensei, which is what my teacher taught me is just someone who's a little farther along the path than you and shows you the way. But I also believe that the practice of humility is, it's so important. Like you can't, you really can't have one without the other. And it's important to remember yeah. that um, humility can only ever be practiced. It can never be mastered. Yeah. hundred percent. So it's, 100%. it's, it would be nice to get those, get those messages into people maybe a little bit more. Yeah, I don't, it's, it's interesting <laughs> these, I mean, I guess if you're making a lot of money and you've got a lot of people falling all over every single thing you say and do. Yeah. You know, it's very- Your ego gets in the way. Yeah, there's no humility there. But I mean, saying that, um, 
you know, my boyfriend and I moved to a new club. We've moved clubs a few times just because, yeah, I'm trying to find the right fit, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, we moved clubs just before COVID hit. So we actually had a total of about four or five sessions there before before we had to retreat home for uh, the COVID pandemic, which is quite um, a kind of weird, kind of hilarious twist of events. But um, this place is called Grand Union uh, Jiu-Jitsu and they're based in um, a lot of different locations in London and Brighton, actually. Uh, in But we went to the one that was in Gym Box Farringdon and they're excellent. The The coaches there are fan- like really fantastic coaches. There was no ego um, at all. The they were just like it was a it was a great club so it's really sad that we kind of had to leave when we did um but I really I enjoyed the short amount of time that I had there but you know they did online classes as well for um most of COVID which was great um and those were those were really valuable and and yeah I I think that if anything you know I I feel hopeful that that community is what my partner and I were kind of looking for um I guess my despair is more just jiu-jitsu as a whole at the moment um is that I feel like there are so many strong um misogynistic and right-wing voices in there that I I I worry I worry for its future but then yeah I because I, I think also the because it's almost so precious to be able to kind of move to a different belt and to get recognition because it's it's such it's so hard to to move up the ranks often um people are willing to put their politics aside for training if you know what I mean mm-hmm. so it's like okay we know these problems exist but I just want to be able to keep training right. so I'm not going to address it right well that's a pretty good um summation of well America in the UK and a lot of places that we're experiencing now you know when we've all been seeing these you know the first early signs of things leaning a little too far to the right you know yeah. I know that that exists but I just want to keep doing my thing yeah yeah, yeah maybe, yeah. maybe exactly. part of it is human nature yeah maybe but maybe. hopefully human nature is also going through some kind of a shift yeah i hope so i i am i'm definitely hopeful um so let's i guess let's see what the new generation of martial artists bring i love ananya's passion she does not mince words Like so many of us, Ananya has a lot to be angry about, especially over this past year. But she channels all that rage and frustration in such a healthy way, pouring it into activism and advocacy, exactly the kind of work that requires the levels of energy only anger can fuel. You can find Ananya at her website, ananyapaints.com. That's A-N-A-N-Y-A paints.com. And follow her on Instagram at instagram.com at ananyapaints. Pretty Deadly Self-Defense is a self-defense program based in Berlin, but with coaches and trainers in a growing number of cities in Europe and around the world. If you want to join us just to take a course or to become a coach, a trainer, or even offer Pretty Deadly in your school or studio, let us know through our website at prettydeadlyselfdefense.com or find us through our app. 
Just search for Pretty Deadly Self-Defense in your favorite app store and download for free. And remember that all of our paid programs fund our volunteer work. So when you empower yourself, you're actually empowering another woman too. Thanks for being here. I'm Susie Collick, and you've been listening to the Pretty Deadly Podcast. See you next week.